you were born pre-packed. God looked at your entire life, determined your assignment, and gave you the tools to do the job before you. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. Even though we were pre-packed, something happened along the way. When we opened up our bag and looked in, we discovered some things that did not belong in there. Things that are not good for us to be carrying around. Their presence are affecting the good that God has pre-packed for us. In this series, we'll be diving into God's Word to identify some of the unhealthy things in our bags that need to be unpacked. We hope you enjoy. All right, good morning. Hey, let's give it up for the worship team. That, uh, that song particularly is like absolutely amazing. I had never heard that song until uh, I did last service, and I want to just keep hearing that because that has everything to do, do with today's message. Uh, the God that Jacob prayed to, the God that Abraham prayed to, the God that Esther prayed to, the God that Mary prayed to, that's the same God that we're praying to. And the same God that watched over them is the same God that is watching over us. Amen? So with that, um, I'm excited. Uh, Last Sunday, I just want to give it up to you guys for making our Roundup Sunday awesome. Both services were packed. And then afterwards, we had over 300 people at our picnic. And we had like, yeah, let's give it up for all those that worked so hard. We had the moon bounces and the dunk tanks and the, I think 15 people entered chili into the chili contest, 16 pies into the pie contest. And what made Pastor Rob happy is I think 12 of the 16 pies were apple pie. All right. So uh, that was good. But it was just a good time. To, to be family and to hang out and have an old-fashioned picnic together. And we had so many people say, when's the next one? You know, because it just, it just feels good to go backwards in this way of some traditions, just some simple things where we get to have, spend time together, eat, and have fun. Amen? So again, thank you. And uh, that's definitely something that's going to be, uh, we're going to keep that going. So with that also, I just have to give you a warning to those of you watching us online. Hello to you too. Um, I'm tired. I'm just getting older. And, and, you know, we do this men's golf retreat and we had 29 guys in Palm Springs Thursday through Saturday. So I played five rounds in three days. And I'm tired. And I know you don't feel sorry for me, but that's okay. So you just be praying that I stay on track as if I'm ever on track, right? So uh, we're going to unpack today. We started that new series last week, Unpack. Because as I shared with you, I think God, if you remember, created us to carry this, but most of us are doing this, and we're carrying excess baggage, and in here are all sorts of things, brokenness, addictions, relationship things, financial things that we put in this, and I'm telling you, I'd rather go through life carrying this than dragging this. How about you? And so that's what we're doing in this series, and, and we're unpacking, we're taking some things out. And I love it. One of our older gentlemen from the church goes, Pastor, you know what? And I said, what, Gene? He goes, did you know there's a lock on that luggage, and you can't unpack unless you unlock it? I'm like, that's good, Gene. I'm stealing that. So let's pray that God would unlock whatever's keeping us from looking in there and taking it out. God, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the life that you've given each and every one of us that we don't deserve. Thank you, Lord, that we find ourselves watching online or sitting in purple chairs at this moment, knowing that 
You are the God that Ruth prayed to, that David prayed to, that Esther prayed to, that Rahab prayed to, that Joseph prayed to. You're the same God. And you're listening today just like you listened then. God, my prayer is that we all would unpack the topic today because it literally could take us out. God, do what only you could do through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. So what are we unpacking today? Last week, we unpacked burdens. We unpacked unrest. And today, we're packing, unpacking hopelessness. Can you say that with me? Hopelessness. Say it again, hopelessness, because I don't want you saying it anymore. Hopelessness. I I heard it said this way, the greatest enemy of man is not disease, it's despair. Would you agree with that? The greatest enemy of man is not disease, but it's despair. And right out the gate, I want to challenge that thought because I think most of us could relate with this idea of hopelessness, but God's word presses against that, that wants to find its way into our luggage. If you open up your Bibles to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, 1 Peter 1, verse, uh, or chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, and I love that, God is a gracious, merciful God, amen? In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. Into what? What's it say? Into living hope. I want you to say those two words, living hope. Let's say it again, living hope. I'll say it again, living hope. Because we need to erase that hopelessness and replace it with a living hope that does not come from any pill that you could take, any drink that you could take, any uh, amount of things that you can find on social media, any success, any amount of money. It does not replace this. The living hope is found in hope through the resurrection of who? Jesus Christ, you want to replace hopelessness with hope? Here's your answer. It's not in all those things that you could get at CVS. It's not in all those things that the world is is putting on commercials and saying, you get this and then you're going to be happy. I'm telling you right here, right now, I can save you a lot of pressure, a lot of time, and a lot of money. He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never what, church? It'll never perish. It'll never spoil. It'll never fade. And there's never an improvement, never another 2.0 version of it or 13 or 42. The inheritance is kept in heaven for who? Put your name there. Put your name there. Guess who you is? You, (laughs) right? You don't have to go to Bible college to figure that one out. You is you. Put your name there. Oh my gosh, Rob Denton can have a living hope through Christ Jesus. And it's never gonna perish. It's never gonna fade. It's never gonna change. And on top of that, look at Hebrews chapter six, verse 19. It's a great verse, verses. We have this hope. As a what? Do it with some enthusiasm. I understand nine o'clock would go, but you've already had your coffee. You've even watched a little football maybe. 
We have this hope as a anchor for the what? For the soul. I love this. An anchor for the soul. Our souls are crying out for hope. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, Jesus is the one. He is the anchor. He's entered on our behalf and he's become the high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. I don't know if you've ever gone boating, but uh, one of the greatest things that when you go boating is if you've been out there on the lake long enough, you know, there comes that moment where you can find a, a little bay or a little nook, a, a little cove, and, and, and it's uh, the heat of the day, and, and you just want to maybe rest or sunbathe or pull out those cheese and crackers and grapes, and I'm so hungry right now. That sounds so good. A little cavaretta's cap. Oh, okay, I'll stop. But, but, but in order to stay in the bay, you got to throw the anchor down, right? Because if any waves come or the wind changes it, you could be you know, pushed into the, the shore or the beach, whatever. But you put the anchor down, even if there's waves, even if there's wind, you're secure. You might get bounced around a little bit to the left or right, but the anchor keeps you secure. You want your hopes secure? Let Jesus be your anchor. And that leads me to this question, is Jesus your anchor? You know what's interesting? Uh, I didn't share this first service, but isn't it interesting for those that are, of us that are Christ followers, how easy it is for us to not be anchored to Christ? Even though we know that to be the truth, even though that we know that to be the answer, we still, especially us men, try and do our own thing. But church, I, I can't change it. That's the truth. We need to be anchored to who? Christ Jesus. Hopelessness is replaced by hope through Christ Jesus. Hope, I, I, I might be over-exaggerating, but I don't think so, especially in these last few months of ministry. Hope is essential for us to get through life. It's sort of like oxygen is to the lungs, hope is to our life. Um. So yeah, the greatest challenge to our life is not disease, it's, it's, it's despair. Do you agree with that? Does that, does that make sense? Because without hope, we're, we're in trouble. You see, with hope, hope reduces feelings of helplessness. It increases our happiness. It reduces our stress, and it improves our quality of life, doesn't it? When we're filled with hope, life is better. And you know the phrase that I think about that comes with this? Hope says everything is going to be what? Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. And I have friends that, that those, those phrases are really important. And the truth is that's really important for all of us, for people to come alongside of us in whatever storm that we're in and hear those words, everything is going to be okay. But here's what I can't do as a pastor. I can't say everything is going to be okay if you choose not to anchor to Christ. Now, if you choose not to anchor to Christ, I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, you're this or you're that or what. No, that's your choice. But if you choose, you know, people that have said that to me and say, well, no, that's not for me. And I say, well, how's that working out for you? You know, and, and I, 
right? Because we have free will. But what I can say is everything is going to be okay if you choose to anchor to Jesus. And you're like, Pastor, that's pretty confident and bold for you to say. I know it is. And, 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 And in reality, it's a little bit scary, but it's not scary. Because the truth is, it's not on me for everything to be okay. It's on him, right? He's, he's got you. He's got you. Now, now, listen, please. You need to be honest with yourself right now. In order for this to be true, you need to be honest with yourself. Are you truly anchored to Christ? Not like, oh, I just kind of drop it in the water and then I pull it back up. I mean anchored. Like, is he your anchor? And if he's not... This is why you're here today, amen? And if he is, this is why you're here today. Always remember this from Pastor Rob. Whatever comes your way, Jesus is your anchor. And when Jesus is your anchor, the scripture says, he is your hope. It's been said that a a person could live 40 days without food, four days without water four minutes without oxygen, and four seconds without hope. Church, I have no problem telling you this. As a 53-year-old man, I need hope. And I have no problem telling you this. You need hope. We all, we all need hope. Thank you, Jesus. I am... Um, I'd like to ask you uh, with that, you know, where, where are you getting your hope, <laughs> you know? And, and you know, my answer would be, I hope through Christ Jesus. Do we have, um, ask you a question here, do we have anyone that's done an escape room before? Okay, all four of you, that's great. No, I'm just kidding. I was amazed how many people hadn't done it first service. And yeah, I mean, maybe between both services, we have 30 or 40. I'll tell you this, and I'm not getting any, you know, payment for it. I'd try it if you're bored one evening. That's a fun thing. Unless you're very impatient, don't do it. But escape rooms are kind of a new thing, maybe over the last four or five years. My family likes them because my 15-year-old likes them. I think we did two of them for his recent birthday um, uh, when he turned 15. But escape room, if you're not familiar with it, you give them a lot of money. (laughs) And then they escape. It's great. (laughs) But you give them a lot of money. Uh, now, you, I don't know what it is, 30-something dollars or whatever, but um, and, and, and every room has is, 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 is got a different theme and a different setup, like, oh, you're lost in the cabin, and so-and-so is here, and there's a few leftover dead bodies, and your way out of here is dot, 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 right? So they set it up, and it's cool. And one of the things is, uh, I'm probably, they're okay, you know, they're okay, but Easton and my wife, Lisa, they're, they're phenomenal at it. So, so you get put in this room, and every time it's different, but this one, the very first time we got put in this room, probably 10 by 15, I said 10 by 10, but it's about 10 by 15, and there's one old computer screen in the whole room on a desk, and they lock the door, and you're supposed to get out. <laughs> but one of the things that's really cool about this is the game master or whatever, usually a teenager making 15 bucks an hour, probably having a lot of fun watching people go at it. They tell you, we have, a, uh, we have a video camera, we're watching everything, and if at any point you want a clue, you ask. Now, I don't know if you know this, my wife and son are competitive. Me, I'm just kind of chill individual. Everybody deserves a trophy, that's me. 
Did I ever say sarcasm is a spiritual gift? Anyways. But um, so, so, you know, it's all based on if you ask a clue, then you get this much time taken out and you only have 60 minutes to get out of this thing. And you don't know if it ends up in that room or if you get in another room or you have to go through a cubby. I mean, it's just, they're all just crazy different. But, but I'm the guy that after five minutes and I see Eddie Santiago's here, he, he w- don't even do escape rooms, Eddie. It would be the end of you. Um, 30 seconds, you'd be like, ah. But I'm like one of those guys, if you can't figure it out, let's ask for a clue. Lisa's like, no, no, no. Lisa's like, no, no, no. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. You know? But the comfort is, because you're locked in this room, is to know that there's someone that knows everything about that room and how, for you, how, how you could get out of it. Do you see what I'm getting at? Life is not an escape room, okay? It's much bigger. But you know what I could do? I could have hope knowing this, that I don't know maybe how to do life, but he does. You know, I was on this golf retreat, and one of the guys I was golfing with yesterday said this, and you guys, just please at least follow me on this. He said, life is like flying a helicopter. I don't know how to fly a helicopter. That's funny. <laughs> Let me say that again. Life is like flying a helicopter. I don't know how to fly a helicopter. I was cracking up the entire day. Because isn't that true? Such a silly statement, but it's so true. I don't know about you, but I don't know how to do life always. But I've got the game master that does. He knows how to get me out of that room. So here's what I want you to do. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down the first way in which we get hopelessness out of our luggage and out of our life. Number one is reach out. You see, it'd be ridiculous to go into an escape room and sit there for 60 minutes, banging your head up against the wall, yelling at each other, and not getting out. While all the while, all you had to do is say, you know what, I need a little clue. And you know what's interesting about these escape rooms? They give you a clue. They don't get you out of the room. Did you catch that? They give you a clue, and with that clue, it gives you hope. And here's something really profound. Hold on to your seats. One of the things I've learned in an escape room is when I ask for a clue, after it's given, I'm still in the escape room. Did you catch that? When we reach out to God, he's not saying, oh, okay, here, now let me take you out of here and put you over here. Let me rescue you and get you out of all that stuff and put you in this amazing place. A lot of times, reaching out to God is just him going back to you saying, all right, here's what you need to do. And in that, you get hope. Are you with me? Doesn't mean you always get out of the room immediately, but hope keeps us going. Psalms 23 is kind of the passage that we'll be picking at a little bit throughout this series. Last week, uh, we started at the very beginning of Psalms 23, and I'd like to remind you, Psalms 23, verse 1, the Lord is my what? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack for nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And we learned about burdens last week. We learned about unrest and insomnia last week. And hopefully we've taken that out of our, our life, out of our luggage. And we learned that last week we need to yoke up. Let's say that again. Yoke up. Let's say it again. Yoke up. We learned that we needed to yoke up and we learned, to, learned that we needed to rest up. So this week we need to reach out. 
reach out. And we need to reach out to the Lord. In Psalms 123, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And look at verse three. This is the gold for today. Verse three, he refreshes my what? He refreshes my what? He refreshes my what? My soul needs to be refreshed. How about you? He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Our shepherd, our God, Jesus Christ, wants to restore our soul. He wants to take out hopelessness and and press into it, infuse in cooking terms, infuse hope into our soul. Who needs hope infused into their soul? I know I do. And I'm not ashamed to say that. Our shepherd, Jesus Christ, he wants to restore our souls. When you look up the word restore, I want to give you a few words that that, that popped up uh, that uh, I want to share with you. Restore means to bring back. Restore means to repair. And restore means to renovate. Aren't those great words? And he wants, to, he wants to repair. He wants to bring back. He wants to renovate our hearts. Because life, no matter how young or, or, or old you are, life has a tendency to, 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 to beat up our soul a little bit, doesn't it? Life has a tendency to beat up our heart a little bit. And, and then we, we walk through it trying to do this when God just wants this. And if you've been around West Valley long enough, you've heard me share this story, and I'm not going to go into great detail on it, but I will say this, at 16 years old, uh, my dad uh, said, come out to the front and uh, the driveway, and dad got you a present. And I walk out there, and there's a piece of junk sitting in the driveway. It was green. It had four different wheels, four different wheels, three different hubcaps. Look up hubcaps. Some of you need to Google that to know what that is. It was, it was rusted because it came from the Midwest where they put salt down for the, the roads for the snow. And so it was just a literally jalopy. Dad's like, yeah, I got it for $500. I'm like, you paid $499 two months, Dad. I didn't say that out loud. But um, it, was, it was bad. Now remember, dad is the one that brought this home. Dad's the one that bought it. And dad's the one that looked at me and says, Robbie, he says, we're going to do this together. And I'm like, we're doing what together? He goes, we're going to restore this. He goes, son, I know it doesn't look so good right now, but dad knows, dad knows what he's doing. You know what? At that point in my life, all I cared about was girls and sports. And I don't want to go and, you know, spend, that sounds awful, you guys. It sounds awful. I don't want to go spend time with dad doing that sanding and building and boy, do I wish I could have that moment back. So, so I did it and months of just sanding things and air filter covers and, and, and I can't remember all the name, carbury, all that stuff. Making no progress. I get home one day and dad, I walked in the garage and the, the car wasn't there. Did I say it was a 1967 Mustang? So I go in there and it's not there. And I said, what happened to the car, dad? He goes, ah, oh, I tried to start it up. It didn't work. Two weeks later, I come home from school and dad's, dad, dad didn't, you know, he wasn't kind of like that, but he was like that that day. He goes, son, come on, let's go out in the garage. I'm like, all right, you know, we're going to work on this Mustang. Go out there and there was this brand new vehicle. 1967 Mustang. Beautiful rims. 
beautiful tires. They all matched. White, black, pinstripe. And it roared when he turned it on. And I said, Dad, what do we do with the other car? He goes, this is that car. Complete restoration. I love that word, restores your soul. Because I don't know about you. There are times in the day, there's times in the week, there's times in the month, there's times in different seasons of my life where even though I'm a Christ follower, my soul needs to be restored. How about you? God is in the business of restoration. Put the 67 Mustang in my hands, you're in trouble. Put the 67 Mustang in my father's hands, and it turned out beautiful. I would say the same thing. You want restoration? You want hope for your soul? Don't put it in the hands of the person that's next to you. Don't put it in the hands of the person at CVS. Don't put it in the hands of you fill in the blank. Put it in the hands of the Father that absolutely is in the business of restoring the soul. And all God's people said, oh, this feels so good to say that. Jesus wants to bring us back to hope-filled people. If we are Christ followers, we should not be hopeless but we should be hope-filled. Now, please let me tell you something. A lot of you have a lot of hard things going on in your life, and if you find yourself hopeless, that does not make you a bad person at all. It makes you human. But I want to be the person that reminds you that we have a reason to be filled with hope. You see, Jesus, in John chapter 14, verse 6, he said this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, Jesus knows the way. Jesus is not going to send you the wrong direction because he's truth. And there's no other way to the Father except through him. It's like the escape room. That kid knows every nuance about that room. It would be really silly for us not to ask for a clue at some point when we're stuck. If we're not stuck, keep going, right? But you get stuck. Why continue to build on the hopelessness? Reach out. Ask for help. Everything changes when your rescuer appears. Amen? I shared this first service, so I should know better not to share it second service. I didn't realize how it was going to come out first service, so here we go. So I'm going to try and use these words a little bit different. Don't take my man car, but I got stuck on the poo ride at Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, you could go all kinds of directions. I see Stacy's really confused on this one, but there is a ride called Winnie the Pooh, and you sit in it, and they do this, and it latches the, the thing across so you can't get out, and it broke down, and I was stuck in poo. <laughs> no, <laughs> Winnie the Pooh, and... Um, did I mention I'm a little bit claustrophobic? So at first it was cute, but then I started thinking, how am I going to get out of this thing? And we were there like 10, 15 minutes, and it wasn't funny at one point because now Easton's laughing at me and probing me. I'm like, Shh. But then that employee came out there and pushed the button and it released it. It always feels good when the rescuer shows up. Amen? Speaking of uh, the escape rooms, this last one that we went to out in Westlake, this one had some kind of theme where you started off in one room and there was only the electric chair. So they needed a volunteer, so everyone volunteered me. So I got in the electric chair, no big deal. 
The guy says, you got five minutes to get your dad out alive before you get into the other room. And I'm thinking, no big deal. I sit in the chair and he goes, oh, I forgot. The guy literally strapped my arms down, all right? Not cute. Because now I'm thinking, what if there's a fire and earthquake and I'm strapped and not everyone's gone and I'm in this room? And I'm starting to go like, this is not funny. And praise God, my son figured it out in like a minute. Otherwise, I was going to go crazy. But again, the whole thing is when he showed up, the, when the rescuer appears, it feels good, doesn't it? I want to tell you that just as Jesus showed up for Jonah and just as Jesus showed up for Paul and just as Jesus showed up for, for Deborah and just as Jesus showed up for Esther, like we sang, Jesus is going to show up for you. But here's the thing I learned in escape rooms. They don't offer any help. I have to ask. Did you catch that? They don't offer any help until you push the button and ask for it. And God is the same way through his son, Christ Jesus. Are you tracking with me? See, Jesus majors in restoring the soul. I want to share... uh, Matthew chapter 5, if you turn there with me. Matthew chapter 5, it says, They went across the lake uh, to the region of Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. The man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even uh, with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore his chains apart and broke the irons and his feet on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Can you picture this? Pretty crazy guy. Night and day among the tombs in the midst of the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with what? Like this is a man that was carrying this, right? His life was filled with hopelessness to the point where uh, some translations said he just laid naked in the tombs. And it says he would cut himself with rocks because that felt better than the emotional, spiritual pain he was feeling. That's hopelessness. That's an extreme picture of hopelessness. But then when you continue on, Mark chapter 5, verse 6, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, the son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus has said, no, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Why am I sharing this story? Because it's a crazy picture of a crazy man that was filled with hopelessness to the point where he cut himself because he couldn't handle the physical, the, I mean, the emotional and the spiritual pain. And then it says, the Bible says he saw Jesus and it says he ran to Jesus. That's the reaching out, isn't it? He didn't have to run to Jesus, but he saw Jesus and he ran to Jesus and he had this amazing encounter with Jesus. And I want to fast forward all the way to the very end, Mark chapter five, verse 15, when it says, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed in his right mind and they were afraid. So you got this guy that's naked and cutting himself with rocks to the point where now he's dressed and fully in his right mind. And the question is, how did he get from hopelessness to hope? How did he get from naked to clothed? The answer was Jesus in the middle. That's who changes lives. That's who brings people from hopelessness to hope. Stop fighting yourself. Stop fighting the stuff that that, that is going on within you. Stop listening to the solutions that are not solutions that the world are giving and submit and surrender yourself. Push the button, reach out and say, I need help. 
Jesus, I need help. I need help. I need help with my marriage. I need help with my parenting. I need help with my addiction. I need help with my pastor. I need help with my finances. I need help with driving on the 101. Whatever it is, let Jesus be there with you. Yoke up. Which leads me to my second point. Keep it up. Keep it up. One thing I've learned in the, in the escape rooms, it's not a one and done. You don't just get one clue. You could get as many as you want. Now you get deducted all this time, right? By the way, just for bragging rights, we've gotten out every time. The last time, 33 seconds left. Okay, so barely. But they're hard. They're hard. They have different levels. But at some point, every one of them, we've had to ask for help. And you don't just do one and done. There might be two times you ask for help. There might be three times you ask for help. There might be four. I don't know. Some groups probably do 20. I don't know. But the fact is, you got to keep going on in these escape rooms. And you fail a bunch of times in the escape room. A bunch of times. You're trying to do these codes and unlock things and trying to figure out things on the wall. You fail a bunch of times. But in order to get out, you got to keep going. Right? And isn't that life? We're going to fail. We're going to mess up. We're going to have times where we do it on our own. We're going to have times when we reach out. We're going to have times where we just royally screw up. But here's what's cool about God. He's never given up on us. We should never give up on him. And, and we could go to him unlimited amount of times. And it doesn't count against us. All right? Because this isn't a game to be played. This is a life to be lived. So humble yourself and reach out. Stop fighting the one that has all the answers. The very first sermon I ever preached, I was 18 years old, and it was at West Valley Christian Church. It was on a Sunday night when you used to go to church. There was a day where you, Rod White, remember, you go to Sunday school, you go to church in the morning, and then everyone would come back and go to church at night and hear a different message. So I was 18 years old. They told me I could preach whatever topic I wanted, and my sermon title was Keep On Keeping On, and it was on perseverance, and I preached that at 18 oh boy, do I have a different perspective on what it means to keep on keeping on at 53, amen? But I'm, I'm, I'm only here. I'm only standing before you because I haven't given up. And it's not because I haven't wanted to give up many times. And you've wanted to give up many times and you're here. And I say, good job. Keep going. There's a poem that I came across this week. Actually, it's a poem of an illustration I've always used, but it's in poem form, so I want to share that with you. Two frogs fell into a deep cream bowl. One was wise and a cheery soul. That just makes me laugh. The other one took a gloomy view and bade his friends a sad adieu. Said the other frog with a merry grin, I can't get out, but I won't give in. I'll swim around till my strength is spent, then I'll die all the more content. As he swam through, ever it seemed, his struggling began to churn the cream until on top of a pure butter he stopped and out of the bowl he quickly hopped. The moral you ask, oh, it's easily found. If you can't get out, just keep swimming around. Where do you take it from here? The answer is simple. Hang in there. Keep on keeping on. Psalms 127, David said, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. 
He watches over you and will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you day nor moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Let's unpack hopelessness and replace it with hope. How do you do this? By reaching out and keeping it up. Father, thank you. I pray that our hope level, our hope meter, has pressed over towards full and walked away from empty. I know a lot of people's faces that I'm seeing out here today, including my own, that needs this so bad. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for restoring our soul. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day.